Wow, we did it. I did it. I did it, and I did it with y'all you. Uh, episode 30, 30 eps in. Um, shot a lot of shows. This is a new podcast series. Making it to 30 is a big milestone, so I'm very, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for the first time. Very few times you do that. And uh, I know I said episode 30 was the last episode, but welcome episode 30 of the bus driver experience. Oh man, pumped to be at 30. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I came from lunch and happy to be at 30 episodes. I really enjoy doing all this stuff. And you know, the more and more as I do it as the, the messages never change, you know, just continue trying to go out there and help people help others and bring back some incredible conversations and shining some lights on some amazing people. And before we get to today's show, um, gotta give a huge shout out to our sponsors, uh, Ambry Gardens. Ambry Gardens is a cruelty-free CBD manufacturer and grow out of Colorado. Um, I'm really, really, really enjoying their stuff right now. I have these, uh, the deep rub especially. Um, it's been fantastic. Um, uh, have this little foot ding right now. I don't really know what's going on, but, um, still be able to perform the workouts every day. I'm monitoring close, but, uh, especially to start running again, I'm really glad I have this stuff and I'm able to use this stuff on the body. Um, even tattoo, tattoo CBD lotion, you know, these things cost money. You spend money on them. You better take care of them. And, you know, this, uh, putting some lotion on it every day making sure that skin stays, uh, fresh on those areas where you had a needle etching into your skin. Uh, it's important, especially if you can afford to get the tattoos, you should be paying to take care of them. And these are some of the products I've used over at Ambry Gardens. And if you use promo code bus driver, you're going to get a 15% discount. Um, and it goes to support this show or also goes to supporting yourself and taking care of yourself because CBD is the, I've known to have major, major effects on inflammation throughout the body, especially with the cannabinoid receptors and the science behind all of it. I have plenty of podcasts on that. I got another podcast guest coming up talking about CBD, cannabinoids, uh, hemp, marijuana, cannabis. So stay tuned for that one. However, we're going to jump into today's episode with uh, Arenze Onwaku. Arenze is a former teammate of mine at Syracuse University. Uh, he played there from 03, to, no, excuse me, 05, 06 to uh, 2010, 2011. Uh, we were on one of the legendary teams at Cuse, uh, number one seeded team. We were going into the NCAA tournament. We were hot. We were, we were one of the powerhouses to win it that year. And um, as I talk about this on the show with Arenze, um, he had had knee trouble all year and he ended up tearing his quad in that, uh, in the Big East Championship going into that. And, you know, there's uh, no blame or anything ever put on him. You know, it's a tough situation to be in, especially trying to prepare for the NBA draft. But, you know, as he said, he was trying to win a national championship first. So, um, you know, and luckily he's had a long NBA journeyman career. He's played all around the world. He was even, he's still playing now, uh, looking to go to Puerto Rico when everything in quarantine lockdown ends up. Um, he's also running his own clothing line and website. Um, which I'll have a link to the bio and below. And I actually really enjoyed this conversation. It was really fantastic catching up with AO and uh, not just learning about what he's doing, but um, learning a lot about the ins and outs of professional basketball from the side of um, the D League and the G League. A lot of great information on there who someone's gone from 10-day contracts in the NBA back to the D League and back and forth. So AO, you're the man and everybody else. Episode 30 of the Bus Drive Experience. Okay. It just completely scams us. But we're live now, so there's nothing to do. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bus Drive Experience. You're watching us on YouTube. Welcome on the bus. And... Welcome to our guest today. We got Arenze Onowaku, a teammate of mine at Syracuse University. This guy has played anywhere and everywhere in his professional career around the world. Um, I even saw you were in Bahrain, dude, recently. Um, and then um, I know you uh, were working and establishing and building a clothing line, which I know has got to be crazy and difficult um, during all these uh, COVID-19 times. Uh, no one sure how their business is going to go. I think 100,000 businesses are shutting down right now. It's nuts, but uh, man, it's good to have you on the show. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem. No problem. Dude, you, when I was getting ready for this show, man, like I mentioned before, I was looking at everywhere you played. I think you have one of like one of the deepest list of places that someone has played professional basketball in. You've been everywhere. 
Yeah, I mean, basketball has taken me a lot of places, places I didn't know existed, places I've never heard of, all the above. But, um, I mean, it's been a good ride, good journey so far. I think it's been, what, like a nine-year career now. So um, just, you know, taking it one day at a time, and I'm still going. Are you you're still set to uh, play, or you're still looking to play um, with uh, your yeah. yeah, I still play. Um, I, I was actually about to leave right before this COVID hit to go somewhere. So, um, I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen after this. Like, everybody's waiting to see kind of how basketball and sports in general is going to be after this pandemic. But um, I'm still on standby, still working out, still staying in shape, and still waiting to see what they say after everything clears back up. Where were you uh, looking to go? Uh, I was about to leave to go to Puerto Rico, actually, right before um, this hit. Not a bad place to go. Have you uh, played there before? I haven't played there before, but nothing. I heard nothing but good things, so I was yeah. excited. Sweet, sweet. And you were in uh, Bahrain. How'd you like that? Bahrain's really nice. Um, it's like an hour flight from Dubai. Everybody knows Dubai. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know what Bahrain was before I went there. But um, it's it's not as strict as Dubai. Um, like uh, People from like Saudi Arabia and stuff, they come to Dubai actually on the weekends to, to do whatever they want to do because it's, it's, <laughs> it's not as strict. But um, as far as living, man, the food is amazing. Um, the people are nice. You know, basketball. It's big time there. Um, the fans are really into it. So, I mean, it was a dope experience, and we was able to win a championship as well while I was there. So, um, all in all, great experience. I knew you were to ship there, man. Congrats. Uh, I visited there when I lived in Kuwait. I was only there for like, you know, 24, 48 hours. But, you know, small little island country. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you said you, know, you think uh, Dubai's a little stricter, man. I felt like there – Everybody was calling it, you know, the Thailand of the Middle East. Like, you can do even crazier shit than you can do in Dubai, uh, in Bahrain. So, uh, it's interesting that you guys, you guys have said that. Because, uh, I mean, just what, what I saw in that little time there was just nuts. This. What, what a, the crazy thing is I was living right by, like, I don't know if you heard of American Alley is there. So, American Alley is like the street where it has like all the American restaurants. So you can cause it's a military base right by American mm-hmm. Alley. So, I mean, you see so many different walks of life there, you know, it's just, it's just interesting that all that is right there. And like in that country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember our paths almost crossed when you went to play in Israel and you played for Maccabi Tel Aviv or did you play for anyone else? Just Maccabi. Just, yeah. And, uh, how'd you like Israel? That's one of probably my, top two best places ever to play i mean yeah the toughest thing the toughest thing with playing overseas is when you don't know where you're going you got to kind of find out on the fly how it's going to be and um when you can go somewhere like israel where it's americanized food is great people speak english the weather is great i mean it's just like being at home so um that was probably top two top three best place i've been so far yeah it's you know i was, I was lucky i was the first job i got like going there and it's just like I mean still I, I got I got dicked around like after two months of just not getting paid ended up going to Canada but like it's I mean everybody, everybody who goes there man just loves it man it's such a it's such a great place for ball players great basketball as well um ah yeah. oh, man yeah I, I think I visited once since then just dying to get back man people don't realize how cool that country is yeah, you would you would never think that. I mean, when you think of Israel, you think like like the desert, like you know, like camels and but it's it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that, especially in the city of Tel Aviv, man. Tel Aviv is an amazing city. Tel Aviv is a popping city, man. It's like such a little, such like a little. Uh, I wouldn't even call it metropolitan, but just like a cool, hip place. Like right there on the coast, that that beach, man, is just gorgeous. People are out, they're active. I mean, the tech scene there is massive too. I mean, it's it's really got it all, man. I got to make a trip out there soon, man. I I love that place, and like you said, the food too. I mean, I think I. That was my biggest regret. Once I came back, it was like people were like, "Man, you take take advantage of the food while you're here. Take advantage of the food. It's so good." And it's like, and I got back to the states, and you can find some great spots, but it's like it's nothing like you'd get, you know, in Kuwait or Israel. It's like, ah, shit, I well, took it for granted. Well, yeah, a lot of places overseas, people don't realize like, you know, here you get the same food year round, so it's you know processed and all that. But you know, 
in uh, most places overseas, they got seasons for everything. Mm -hmm. So that's why I like the fruit is fresh. The, the food tastes a little bit different. It's because everything is grown and made and, and fresh for that season. You know, you can't walk in a place if it's not the season where they're growing a certain type of fruit or vegetable. You can't get it in that season. So everything is natural and fresh. That's why a lot of people don't understand when you go to a lot of these places. Yeah, I also think it's, um, you know, when you think about, uh, at least for me, I think culturally one of the big things missing in our, you know, our U.S. culture is like a big coming-of-age experience. You know, you have something, you you know, that, that process to become a man. You know, it's you got school, you got, you know, for us it's just like we're, we're playing basketball our whole lives. It's, there's nothing really, you know, that just designation like, hey, this is how you become a man in our society, in our culture. Kind of just, you know, kind of got to grow up. Um, I think traveling is such an important part, you know, mm -hmm. where you just get thrown into the world. And then when you get to do that with, you know, well, we get to do that with basketball. And then when you're just thrown into, you know, a country and, you, you know, maybe you don't have a business manager there. You don't have uh, your agent in country. I mean, you got to learn how to take care of yourself. You got to learn how to find this, how to find that, how to get here and there. There's plenty of people that help you along the way. But, um I mean, I think it's a really, really big lesson. And a lot of guys I see, you know, who do get the opportunity to go overseas, I mean, they grow up fast. And I think, uh -huh. uh, you know, I, I think they're just, you know, as I've talked with you know, a lot of the college ball players, you know, I've had on the show or, or pro athletes, just, there's always more stuff that, you know, our universities could do for us to prepare us for the real world, for I mean, the amount definitely. of basketball that we're working on. Uh -huh. I mean, you go to these places – I mean, the things you value, you start to devalue when you go to these places because you get to see things from the wide spectrum. You know, I, I remember when I started going overseas, I had still had friends that never even been on a plane, never left the city, never left the state. So you talking about somebody who's never left the state or the city and tell them to go to another country and they wouldn't know what to do, you know? And it was just like, man, every, every step I took, every different basketball venture I took really taught me things that I learned that I keep to this day, you know, and, you know, you get to meet so many people from different walks of life and just see how they think. And you learn that the things that you value on a regular basis may not be things that the world values. So you, you slowly take a little bit of everywhere you go. You take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it just makes you a well-rounded person. Mm -hmm. Some of the perspective, I think, uh, you know, not just the U S but the world is missing. Um, and, and I think, you know, as business owners too, it's, it, it's tough. Um, you know, pivoting after sports. I mean, how was your, how, I mean, you're still playing sports, but you know, you're also trying to launch a business. How have you made that transition? And uh, also, could you remind me what you majored in, in college? Were you a business major? No, I was, uh, I did sports management with a minor in uh, television, film and radio. So mm -hmm. broadcasting. The stuff I um, wish I majored in. <laughs> I didn't major in that. I was talking to somebody, I did an interview, uh, I think last week and I was saying, uh, one of the most important things somebody told me was like, when you're playing, when you're a sports, I mean, when you're an athlete, the biggest thing you can do is start whatever you want to start while you're playing, while your name yeah. is hot, while your name is hot, while you're relevant, while people want you, while people know you. And the problem with that is, you know, you put so many hours into your, in your craft and you're always traveling or whatever it is that you're doing, you're traveling, you're training, that you really don't have the time most of the time to sit down and be like, okay, let me start this and let me start that. But the biggest thing is if you have a team, and that's that's the that's equivalent to having just like gold. You know, if you have a team that you can be like, look, here's my vision. Help me put it together while I'm playing. And that's when you reap the most benefit. Because you got to think about it like it's a new wave of athletes every single year coming out of school. So by the time you're done playing, the new wave of athletes that just coming out of school, they, don't, they might not even know who you are. So why would they want to run to your brand or run to your restaurant? You know, people are running to Jordan as a big, you know, example, I mean, he's the top of the top, but people were running to the stores to get Jordan when Jordan was playing. And now to this day, people still want Jordans because it, it got hot while he was playing. He was playing in the shoes. People wanted the shoes. And this is the on-court stuff, you know. Imagine if Jordan waited till he was done playing. Then he was like, okay, I'm going to start having shoes. The kids these days, if they didn't see this doc, they didn't even know who Jordan, what Jordan was doing. They heard about him, but they didn't, they didn't see live footage of, you know, how great he was. But the biggest thing is now these kids that don't even know Jordan, they're running to get Jordan because of what it's been doing over the years. So the biggest thing, I think, is just to start it while you're playing in your career so that when your name is hot, people run to you and you can start building whatever it is that you're trying to build.
Completely. I mean, what Michael did so well was, you know, he he separated, you know, himself where it's just, hey, this is a basketball brand, and the basketball brand is me. That's hot. Yeah, I think he said like in episode three or number six. Um, I I wouldn't have sold sold any shoes. I wouldn't have sold any of this if I didn't win. I had to go out there and do this, and that that was like the unique thing. It's just like, listen, you know, I was the product. And I made mm-hmm. sure that what I did is what sold the product. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know that was that was you know, and, and everything with him is just so direct and like black and white when he tries to explain things. There's obviously a lot more nuance in there, but he's just like, hey, it's this because of this, and he and you know you can you can look at it like, okay, that's it. I, I'll take that for face value, um, because you know, like you say, you know, he's still selling. You know, he's done a billion plus revenue in the past ten years, which is uh, of sales revenue is, is, is nuts. And it's yeah. crazy, crazy to imagine because like you said, some kids either, you know, didn't see him or they didn't understand or, or know, you know, how nuts or crazy he was. And I think, you know, we knew that, you know, you'd get those VHS tapes and you just know as a kid, like this guy was nuts about Monopoly. He would be playing his roommate till two in the morning in college. Cause he just couldn't lose a Monopoly and he'd have yeah. to win. And it's like, um, so, I mean, back, back into what these college athletes are doing now, I think that everybody thinks they have to be Michael Jordan, and that's the problem, you know, that we all have to be making a billion in revenue and sales. I'm like, that's not the case, and I don't think we are utilizing, you know, our marketing tools, you know, a la the internet being one main primary one, because we can look at it and say, okay, do I want to be, you know, a billion billion dollars in sales this year like okay that's a very grandiose goal it's very hard to get to i think people need to go back to asking like what their values are and what their values are and then how do i want to implement those values in my business and what does that look like and how can i scale who i want to go after and what i want to target you know i I manage like seven podcasts now but like okay if i got 30 more podcasts i can't manage all that you know that's that's not something scalable to me i i can't you know process all that and at the same time like is growing more getting more shows really the way i'm going to make more money it'll make more money but it's just not it, it's it's there's no scale there it, it, it's something you, it's impossible to do so how can i do something and my doing my podcast every day and working on other shows that's going to work towards the greater good of you know not just you know the money i want to make and my business in general so what and that's again that's a process to figure out you know i mean we all think we some guys in terms of like basketball don't figure that out. Hey, this is the kind of player I am. Just like, hey, by the time you get to, you know, let's say the NBA, you had a four-inch growth spurt after your senior year, and now you're told like, hey, we don't need you to handle the ball anymore. We need you running around, you know, block to block, or we need you just running up and down the sideline, uh, wing to wing. It's like, okay, well, I got to change and I got to pivot now, but this is who I am now, and I got to run with this going forward. So, um I think that's the the thing the thing that you know, like you said, the athlete's got to figure out. But as long as you're doing something, and it's towards what you believe in, that that's the basis and start. Sorry, I went all off on that. <laughs> no, you you're right. But like I said, it's just you got to have that balance. I mean, a lot of guys, it's hard, you know, especially mm-hmm. when let's take somebody in my position, an undrafted guy trying to make the NBA. You know, a lot of guys, you know, if you're a top fifteen. 20 pick, you're guaranteed, your money's guaranteed. You have, you, you can sleep free at night because you know the check is coming for at least the next three years, whatever, two, if you sign a two, three-year deal. But take it from a guy like me who was undrafted. So every game was a proven point. Every game I played in the, in the D-League, I was trying to make it. I was trying to prove myself. So, like, the stress level, the 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 focus is a little different than a guy who was already locked in the contract, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's so many different aspects of athletes. There's so many different levels that people don't understand. Like it's tough. What we do is very, very tough. So I think the biggest thing is like you said, one, I think it's having the team that you can, you know, give your vision to them for to help them, help them help it manifest, you know? And mm-hmm. two is like, like you said, whatever your vision is, having something going towards that, whatever the biggest goals it goal is while you're playing though early enough so that people like you said they still your name is still relevant it's still likable people still know you you know mm-hmm. i mean i mean it's I, I can't imagine 
the D League life. You know, that's more on you know, and I think something maybe a little more relatable to players out here, um, you know, who get to see that or experience that a little more because you know. I mean, I wasn't a big name guy in overseas. You know, it was the same way. You know, three days after getting to Israel, they're like, "Oh, oh yeah, we actually don't need you anymore. Go home." I'm like, whoa, hold on, I have a contract. <laughs> we got a year contract right here. Everything's. What do you mean, just go home? Like, well, we're not saying that, but like, you know. And then you're looking at all the legalities of things. Like, okay, they're trying to get me to break contract. They're trying to get me to just do this and that. And you know, it's a massive learning experience. But at the same time, I wasn't documenting all that. I wasn't telling that story i wasn't finding ways because again you don't you may not know what value someone can find in what you do in your own experience because you know with you i mean there's a shit ton of guys who are struggling to get to that you know get who had to go from that d league spot to that nba spot and i wanted to talk more about that um you know going day to day figuring out what's going to be next and i think you had this weird stretch where you were like back and forth with um is it the Stampede or somebody, and then which is Cleveland's team? And you had to like back and forth, back and forth. I don't, I don't know what year this was, maybe 2013 or 14. And you were going there, and then you sign a 10 day contract, then you go back to the D League, you go back to here. Um, you know, so I want to go, what did that look like? But at the same time, people, it just takes a step as long as you have someone working. And um, there's a lot of great tools out there Fiverr, um, Upwork. There's, um, you know, places with very, very, very great rates where you can find virtual assistants, people that can help you, especially, you know, athletes, um, you know, who may be a little bit tighter of a budget trying to find someone who can, you know, manage social media accounts, YouTube channels, YouTube pages, uh, taking over some of the marketing side of things that you can't handle while you're playing or someone that might know a little bit more than you. Those are great places to, you know, exercise something in your budget as well as um, continuously trying to make sure your direction and goals working towards the same way. But uh, back to you about um, do you do you remember that time period or am, am I am I uh, yeah, yeah yeah of course of course I remember that. <laughs> well I wanted to make sure it was in the right place and um, and yeah tell me a little bit more about that and uh, and, and just tell people more about that because <clears throat> like you said unless you're that one to twenty guy in the NBA especially in that draft. And then, you know, you have different slots in there. One through five are making eight million or, you know, maybe more now. I'm just thinking like when Johnny and Wes got drafted. And then after that, picks six through ten, it drops from, you know, one to three million and then so, so and down. So um, tell me about that time um, when you were with the back and forth of those 10-day contracts. Well, I mean, it, you understand, like, the D-League is it's, a, it's the only league in the world where nobody wants to be there. Everybody's there to get somewhere. <laughs> like literally that's, that's beautifully yeah. said beautifully it's said. a well-known fact the players are there to either get to the nba or get an overseas look the coaches are there to most likely get to the nba the trainers are there to get to get another oh, job go ahead sorry lost you Got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. audio yeah, so, dropped. So, um, yeah, the D League is the only league in the world where nobody wants to be there. I mean, the trainers are trying to get called up to the NBA. The coaches are trying to get called up to the NBA. The players are even looking at the NBA or they're looking for, for overseas deal. And, and everybody's there to either get filmed or to show they're good enough. So, um, I was back and forth in the D League for three years. Um, you know, you gotta understand, like when you get a call up to the NBA, you get a ten day contract. In ten days, just ten days. You know, you, they can give you one contract, 10-day contract. They can give you two 10-day contracts. But after the second 10-day contract, they have to sign you for the rest of the year. So a lot of these guys, what they do is if they like you, they'll give you a 10-day one. They might give you a second 10-day. But it's it's going to take everything in their power to be able to give you that contract after them two 10 days. So you might go up there and, you know, might be up there for 10 or 20 days. You know, you're going to feel great. It's going to be amazing. You, you really – Living the NBA life, you're you're traveling with the team, you're doing everything with the team, you're practicing with the, the best players in the world, and then boom, you're right back to the D League, you know. And you know, you understand like in one ten day contract, you make more than you make the the whole year of the D League, you know. Back mm -hmm. then, I think the I think the highest salary, and this is what like seven years ago, his highest salary was I think twenty five or thirty thousand dollars. 
Um, so you got to understand, like, the D-League is really the sacrifice. It's a sacrifice for making it to the NBA or some guys are doing that sacrifice to get film to show they're good enough to, you know, get a job overseas. But, you know, I was there when guys, you know, meals really were, you know, McDonald's and, mm-hmm. you know, anything that was the cheap way to go. You know, I was there when guys, you know, using each other's shoes and, you know, I mean, it's nothing easy about the D-League. I mean, we talk about, you know, you might be going to a city that's two hours away, but you might fly to another city that's five hours away right to fly back to the city that's two hours away because they're going to take the, the cheapest route there, you know. If, it's, if a city's within, at least like within four or five hours, you, hours of you, you're driving there, you know. And this was all stuff that I was not used to at all. You know, I'm coming from a big school in Syracuse where everything is, you know, chartered planes, food is available, you know, you, you fly in, you know, you fly in after the game. I mean, everything was, you know, first class, everything to, to go into a D-League where nothing is first class, you know. You, you got to bring your own shoes, you bring your own tights, you, you know, you, you do you do everything. Everything is on you. So, um, no more laundry loops sent over to Schwarls, man. You gotta, you gotta do your loop yourself. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta get it done. You gotta get it done the way you get it done. And, um, that's why anybody that said they played a year in a D league, I, I can do nothing but salute them because I know what it takes. You know, it, it's going, it can break you. I mean, especially a player like me where I knew I was good enough to be an NBA. I mean, I'm putting up amazing numbers on a night and night basis and I'm still not getting the call. Or I might get the call and it's just for 10 days or it's just for 20 days. Then you're right back down, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I salute anybody that's done it. Um, it's just a tough league to play in, but it, it's like it's the dream. You know, I couldn't go I couldn't go overseas not knowing I didn't try or I didn't put my best foot forward to make the NBA because I knew I was good enough. Like, if I'm, I'm a realist, so I like, you know, if I was the guy that was like, nah, I don't think I can make it. But I really knew I was good enough to be there, so. Um, I put I put both feet in and just just went for it. You no, know, it's it's uh it was the biggest dose of reality for myself as well. Just the same story, you know. You're talking about just oh wait, there's no Brad, there's no Ryan, there's mm-hmm. you know we're not getting on a plane after this, and there's no sandwich just waiting for me in my seat, you know, <laughs> the hot cookie. It's like oh wait, I think I went to Israel. I popped my hip flexor like like about six, seven days in in practice. And it was just sore. It was like, I'm, I'm going to take the day off, you know. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to get this nurse. Do we have any uh, treatment and everything? They're like, no, you go to the store, get your own ibuprofen, you know, get, uh-huh. get your own ice. And I'm like just, oh, man, this is, I'm going to have to figure this one out myself. And, uh-huh. and then again, you know, how long are you going to take to nurse your injury where they're just not going to ship you off and find right. someone else to, to fill you in? And you know, it's it's really a tough balance to say, how much am I going to push myself to to do all to continue to go? So, um, do you think? Because I, I remember you as a player. I mean, um, it was probably towards the last, what do you call it, a golden era, but still where the big man was utilized in the center position. We'll say, in um, at least in, in in college basketball, a lot more than pro basketball. You know, pro basketball, it's it's so stretched out you know, the style of play um, and just like having a big man in the middle is just, is not really existent. Did you ever have to, did you ever try and change your game to be a little bit more, you know, popping out and shooting or, you know, cause I, at least at Syracuse, I remember you were very back to the basket. You know, that's where we found you. That's where we got, uh, you know, utilize you in that offense. You know, it's Coach Beheim's offense. Um, but now in the NBA, you know, we see it's just like, hey, if you're not, you know, being able to at least to be able to sit out you know, 12 to 18 feet to catch for a shot, you know, too bad. You know, we don't need you putting your back to the basket and uh, planting in the middle. Um, did did you uh, were forced to change your game around like that or, you know? No, I mean, when I was playing in D-League, the, the big man was still valued. I mean, you still had a, a traditional four and a traditional five. You know, you had a rim runner. You got a, you had a guy at the top of the key. So when I was playing, big man was still valued. I mean, you got to think like, this whole stretch thing started probably within the last four, four or five years when, when you know, Golden State started running the offense like that. And, you know, they had great shooters around them. But so when I was there, I mean, big man was valued. I mean, okay. when I got called up to to, to these teams, like a, a Minnesota, uh, when I was in Cleveland, it was, you know, 
um, Anderson, Varejal, and these type of guys, these type of centers, Tristan Thompson. So they were valued. I mean, Tristan Thompson's making $85 million. Varejal's making He got like, a stupid like, contract. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, at that time, big men was valued. I mean, the value of big men are going down now because they're all turning into three-point shooters. But that's only within the um, the last four or five years. Um, when, and when you talk to, like, guys who have been around that love the game of basketball, you know, the barbershop talk and, like, the high coaches with the high IQ, they just say NBA is a copycat league. It's just going to take two, a team with, you know, two bigs to win a championship for people to be like, okay, we need two bigs. I mean, they see what Golden State was doing, having, you know, pretty much a five-out system and winning, so people want to copy it. But you got to understand, you got to have the player personnel to be able to do that. You know, that's why they were successful doing that because they had the players, the great shooters, to be able to do that. So, I mean, we're living in a, a new style of basketball right now. But, you know, just like basketball, just like fashion, just like all the above, I mean, things go away, things come back. But, I mean, it will be a day again where where the, where the money's made in the paint, you know, when you go back to, to where, you know, you got guys like Shaq and those type of guys that are dominating the paint. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, you had to weigh those cost benefits. I mean, because I still think, you know, a guy running rim to rim who you can dump it down to, you know, it's it just finding a way to make sure he is athletic enough to chase one of those shorter guards um, on the perimeter if they're, they're brought out to that. You know, would you have like a Draymond and Shaq going back and forth saying, oh, Shaq would be able to guard us on a, on a pick and roll. Shaq wouldn't be able to uh, defend, what was it, Draymond and Steph. And the pick and roll set, and it's you know that that that, that is an interesting thing, but you know it's still Shaq. I don't think he would have had a problem at all. Yeah, he might have had a little problem defending them, but you gotta understand they gotta go to the other end and defend him too. You know, so how would they be able to do anything with him? So with no like legal said, defense. Yeah, right. That's that's like unheard of. So I mean, like you said, I mean basketball is going to have its its waves of different styles of play, but. I think definitely it'll go back to big man being valued. Yeah, I mean that, uh, that's what I think. You know, NBA commissioners and you know, the you know the David Stearns to Adam Silver's now what they've done is you know, and it's unique. It, and I wouldn't say it's unique, but they've been able to manipulate the rules towards something that's been geared towards more offense. Oh, no question. But I mean, it, it's just hey, what's more entertaining? We look at like the psychology. You know, maybe your average fan is not picking up on that or noticing that right away, but they're like, hey, let's make this a little bit more exciting. How can we make it more exciting? Well, let's let's tweak this rule around and let's add this rule in right right here. And, you know, you see more points. You see more, um, you know, people just out of their seats more. They're more in tune with the game. They're more stimulated. So, you know, psychologically, it, it's, it's just fascinating how they can, you know, manipulate that facet right there. Yeah, we see the, the loss of the big man, but... Um, or the exercising of the big man in the offense or defense or the game itself. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying to make more faster big men um, or at least more athletic ones. But in terms of uh, playing overseas, I mean, I imagine there's still a lot more half-court set offenses where, you know, you can be utilized. No question. Um NBA is the only place that plays like that. I mean, overseas is, is not like that. It's no defense in three second. Um, you still got bigs, traditional bigs running to the rim. You still got coming down, you're running a set, a full set. So um, it isn't like that because, like I said, like you got to have the personnel to be able to do that, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of the guys, the bigs overseas, that's not the NBA. They're not, they wasn't brought up shooting threes and, you know, just running down the court you know, shoot long bombs. So, yeah, overseas is definitely different. Um, I mean, depending on where you go, different countries, they play different styles. I mean, but for the most part, the NBA is the only place you go and you see in scores 130, 120, <laughs> 130. You're not going to see that overseas. All right, this is a personal question because I'm a guard. You've played a big. Yeah, mm -hmm. How annoyed do you get? At least I remember at Cuse where you just see – a guard just throw his fist up and you probably have to go up and down and set a screen like five or six times within like a, uh -huh. a 30 second shot clock set. Or I think it was uh -huh. still 35 when we were playing. Uh -huh. How annoying is that? It's tough. It's tough. Um, <laughs> it's tough. I mean, the good thing about me was 
I got the ball because I was able to score. But like for I mean, you see it a lot these days. I mean, bigs that are not quote unquote scorers. I mean, they might set four or five picks in one in one session. Like you know, and you know, you got to be in shape to do that as well. But I know it's annoying. Yeah, yeah, you guys. I know it's annoying to a lot of bigs, especially when I mean. The guards dominate the game. So if they say come set a screen, you got to come set it up. How many times? They might not like it. They might reject the screen. You might run back down. They might say come, come set it again. So I know it can be frustrating at times. It definitely for bigs. I don't think you were there at the same time with Dion. That overlapped as well. But he, I, he was just, I mean, so demanding of a screen at all times. Just like, <laughs> he got the ball at the top. The offense kind of stopped, and it was just – I don't think he would even look towards the bottom. He would just throw his fist in the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. He, he is a character still, man. I love that guy. Um, but, yeah, that, that, I had to ask that question because it just seems like it's something I would never understand as a guy who had to come up and down. But, you know, as someone who called for a screen, yes. All right. I, I, knew, I knew you'd be annoyed. I, I knew it had to be a pain in the ass going up and down like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we were talking what we were talking about for evolution of the game and um, you're talking about going back to Puerto Rico next year um, but kind of talk about your transition away from basketball I know you're working uh, you you know uh, developing a uh, fashion line your own website um, what kind of challenges and struggles have you faced you know we were kind of talking about hey what's it like um, having a team trying to you know, at least be a young guy and, you know, having someone help you run your brand, run your company, or, you know, even build one, just get the, get the ball rolling itself. How's that transition for you been going? And how have, uh, I mean, have you done it? It's, um, it's been good, but it's been, it's been tough. Um, like you said, even these companies you said that help people, I didn't even know about these companies that you just, you just brought up the two names. I didn't even know about that. I mean, I think the biggest thing, like with anything, you got to be able to market. People got to know what you have going on. And one of the things I think I regretted was Instagram started when we, when I was in school, when we were in college and I didn't have Instagram at first. Cause I, I didn't wasn't have it until after I graduated myself, man. Like, All right. So I, I didn't, I didn't have, you know, I would have had, probably 20,000, you know, people following me at the time. But I just, I, I mean, I didn't get my Instagram till late. So um, I only had maybe four or 5,000 followers. So like to this day, I mean, I'm, my clothing line will be a year, a year in June. They'll make it a year in June that I had it. Until this day, I still have people that are like are close to me. And they'd be like, you have, you, you make clothes? Like I'm like, Still to this day, they don't know. And these people are like, these are people that are close to me. So um, I think, like you said, the biggest thing is is marketing. I mean, people, I mean, when people see the clothing, they love it. They, they buy it right away. But I think the thing, the biggest thing is just getting it out there for people to know what you have going on. Um, but I started it last year right before the TPT tournament because we were going to play in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like, okay, I haven't been back to school in almost 10 years. And, you know, once I put my name in, the fans were, you know, you know, DMing, DMing me and saying, you know, oh, we can't wait to see you. You know, we had spent so long, you know, last, last good big man we had, all that type of stuff. So I was like, what can I do for them just to, you know, you know, keep my name buzzing in Syracuse? So I said, okay, cool. I'll make some T-shirts and I'll make some mugs. So, you know, I went and got a logo, put a logo together, put on a couple of shirts, you know, orange and blue shirts, of course, Cherokee style, made, made some mugs. And we had a signing um, at the baseball stadium, and I probably came with maybe 40, 50 shirts, and it was gone like that, boom. So I was like, oh, I might have some here. So, you know, after the tournament is over, I'm getting messages from people like, man, do you have anything for me? But I didn't go to Syracuse, you know. So I was like, hmm. So now the everyday person wants something. So I slowly started, you know, learning how to, you know, just cook up things, you know, and, and all my stuff is, you know, stuff I live by, you know, a lot of positive affirmations, uh, some things for basketball players as well. Like this hoodie I got on right now is it's the walking bucket hoodie. It's like one of my best sellers. I mean, a lot of basketball players like that. Mm-hmm. So I have things for everyday person, things to, you know, make you feel good, have you confident as well as things that look good, you know, and the biggest thing with me, like, Growing up, I, I always like clothes, but, you know, I'm a big guy. So I walk in a place and can't find my size or all the nice things I want are in the smaller sizes. So now it's it's better for me to be able to make things where I can fit and things that I like 
and people like it as well. So um, it's been going good so far. I just got to continue to push it, continue to market it. And, you know, I feel like once people see it, it's they, they purchase it right away. Yeah, I'll definitely send you that all that information, you know, the Fivers, the Upwork, um, they're, mm-hmm. they're fantastic tools. Like you know, when you, especially, uh, Fiverr, it's, I think I got like, I wanted to design a new logo, um, like a cartoon version of me for, you know, my brand and everything and found someone typed up, you know, you know, 5,000 word description of what I want. They'll get it back to you in three days, you know, <clears throat> for a great price. You know, I mean, you're uh-huh. you're, connect, you're connected to a lot of freelancers around the world. Um, I don't remember exactly where this person was from, you know, but I've worked with people in, you know, India, Philippines, um, Nigeria. Um, so it, it's, it's been great. I, mean, I work with people here in the States. You know, my production coordinator, Rihanna, who you've talked to, shout out to her. She always makes the, she makes the show happen. Um you know, um, just found ways to connect with people and then, you know, bring them on, you know, give people jobs and, uh, you know, make sure that the message is going in the same way. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, you have you, de- you obviously have something with your stuff. You know, I think it's just finding what your message is and what your brand is and how you can portray that across, you know, the different clothes or products you want to sell. And um, going into social media, man. Yeah, it, it's so tough. But it's not just tough for athletes. I think anybody who becomes known for something, they're known for being either you know, exactly. the greatest exactly. or the worst at what they got known for. Exactly. So pivoting away and then like pivoting your social media away is probably harder. You can change as a person, but I think like for example, if I post a Syracuse basketball photo, it's just like you know, and we're we're talking about the metrics, like the amount of you know impressions and likes is just disgusting compared to you know podcasting i I still get traction on and you know i have by doing it enough over these past two or three years the recognition for someone to say hey oh this is a podcast guy this is a podcast guy you know but again it's it takes you know and i always hate this This is one uh creator alex chacon who i've met you know he's just like hey man it's gonna take you three years it's gonna take you three years of you know pushing and pushing and pushing to develop and I know his own struggles because, like, after he was, you know, this one style of content creator one way and he tried to pivot away, you know, you lose 20,000, 30,000 followers, you know, because, you know, they don't want to follow you anymore. They don't like the things that you're not posting anymore. So, you know, I, I'd imagine you're on page and I, I've taken a look at it. You know, you're, I'm sure your Syracuse photos are just like boom, 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 flashy. Like people are like, oh, my God, yeah, this is AO. I know AO. It's Renze. Um, yeah, you post something about your shirt, just like, what, what, what's this? How is, how are these two things related? So, um, you know, ball players, athletes, um, you're not alone in all this, but you know, you've got to find a way to bridge that connection. You got to find a way and, and not be afraid to use it. Um, I don't know about you, but I was definitely afraid to, you know, well, I don't want to use leverage that basketball part of me. You know, I'm trying to get past that and not use that, but, um, I, I think athletes got to embrace it. And find a way to, to marriage, you know, your past and your future to 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 keep you present, and to you know make sure your your vision's doing uh it, it's moving towards that way because you can't get away from your past. No question, I agree with you, hundred percent. Do you uh how do you plan on using all that? What is uh you know the goals with the clothing line? I mean, like I said, I mean it's called Studio L, so it's just my studio. It's like welcome, welcome to my life, welcome to my to, to my vision, you know, and, and like I said, I got I got things that I live by, I stand by, you know, like one of my shirts said, you don't have to see my vision, it's between me and my God. Um, one of my shirts says, the power of the tongue, speak speak great things into existence. It's just, it's just things I live by on a daily basis. It's just like, now I take it into a creative space and make a shirt or a hoodie or something like that, that that's appealing to the eye with a great message. So when people wear it, they just feel confident. I mean, walking bucket. I mean, for the basketball players, everybody knows what that means. I mean, you, you're a bucket as soon as you get on the floor, you know. So I came up with the definition, you know, and, and you know, people love it. So it's just the fact that, you know, things I live by, things I feel, things I any, – anything I, I put out is something I stand by, something I wear, something I want people to know to be associated with me. So – um like I said, you know, just continue to create, continue to give people new content, great things to 
to live by and, you know, get great things to wear. What are you doing on the, the content side these days for whether it's for your site or for the, for the page? What are you doing to bring people in? Uh, as far as what, like new stuff or what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, new stuff. You know, are you, uh, you know, creating videos for the brand, photos, blog posts, uh, YouTube videos? What, what are you doing? To- no, I've, I haven't gotten into the YouTube, into the YouTube side. Um, I just uh, basically just been creating new content. Like I, I create new content and I, I keep dropping new things. Like maybe every two weeks I might drop something because like uh, last week I dropped my walking bucket, but for the youth side. So like, you know, the thing is with the clothing, I mean, there's so many different, you know, you got kids, you got, I mean, you got toddlers, you got babies, then you got adults, then you got so, so many different people. So you got women, you got men. So like, you know, I might have, like I had the walking bucket hoodie for men. That, you know, you start getting people, oh, well, I have a son, he wants one. Or I have a child, mm-hmm. a brand new, I want to put that on him. So just slowly expanding and, you know, slowly expanding. You know, I dropped, like I said, I dropped a youth hoodie um, thing last week. I got some baby gear now. Um, so just slowly, you know, giving people more variety, more things to pick from, more things to look at, more things to choose because, as the clothing line grows, people start, I mean, I listen to the people, you know, I listen to what they say, like, Oh, do you have anything for this age or do you have anything for women? Or, you, th- you know, so as I slowly start hearing those things, if I have enough comments of that area, I slowly start working towards that just to give them more options. Are you doing print to order or you just already have the shirts? Yeah. No, I print for a print to order. Good. Print Good. Order. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine mm-hmm. if you have that, disp- that many, uh, that wide of a demographic of clients. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if you had to worry about, hey, we got a baby tea over there. We got, you know, can you put, print yeah. this on that? It'd be a pain in the ass. But yeah, um, no, that's that's good. You got that 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 side, you know, covered and taken care of. Yeah, man, I think uh, you have some, you know, unique things. You know, especially if you started like, you know, writing or you know, making a video, you know, explaining the shirt like you're doing, adding mm-hmm. some motion graphic animation to it cuts into you know you hooping i think that would be that'd be pretty dope mm. you know explaining what a walking bucket is that looks mm. especially because you you're the you're the uh how would you cry it you're the, you're the dude who made the term up you know you're the dude who's writing it out or explaining what it is you know you're you're mm. bringing it to life mm-hmm. that's that's dope mm. what is uh are you for um this really cool uh NBA potential playoff opening that they that they're looking to do, you know, just like a month of playoffs in Orlando, where it's just, hey, we got a month, we got to get this out, six seven game series, East West, let's go. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely for. Um, I mean, the morale of the country is up when you have sports on. I mean, you got to think about everywhere you go from bars to restaurants. It's sports on. It's always sports. So, you know, you have a time right now where it's nothing to watch. I mean, people are home with nothing to watch. So I think even if they can play, you know, without the fans, that the morale of the country will rise. I mean, everybody knows, you know, you play sports. The crowd is huge in sporting events. I mean, the crowd can literally win the game for you. We played in, in a dome with 30, 30 some thousand people that they won the game for as many nights. So you won't be able to have that type of advantage, but I think the fact that they can still get out there and play, um, just the morale of the country, seeing their favorite players, the kids, the parents, seeing their favorite players playing on night and night basis will just be it'll be great for the country. I totally agree, man. And then it'd just be so I mean, these guys gotta be rested too. I think that's like such a big factor too, that we're getting fresh leg playoffs of guys who had, you know, about what? almost two months now of just taking it easy, resting. I think, I think there might be some rust on it, but man, it, it should be high intensity playoff basketball. So no question. Yeah. I mean, I'd be super pumped for that. I, I think playoff hockey is one of the most unique playoff playoff sports. I, I mean, I hope they bring that back as well. Um, but yeah, man, if we can get some kind of hoops going and whatnot, but I also hope that, you know, they keep these guys, safety like like a prime 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 um factor to think about because you know i think uh i think some sports you know players are completely looked at as commodities still and not necessarily as people and i think uh you know 
even on the college level. You know, these guys don't have bad days. They don't have bad games, you know. So I hope they don't rush these people back to it, you know. They don't, they don't push them, you know. If some dude gets sick and dies, I mean, that would just be the – and yeah. that would be the worst thing ever. That would be like yeah. sac- sacrificing it for the fans, you know. I mean, right. he'd probably go down and, you know, legend forever. But, you know, I don't know if I want to be, be dying for, you know, the dude in Arkansas, you know, who just really wants to watch some TV at a bar. <laughs> yeah. That would be tragic. Um, you're from a unique part of Maryland, um, where it's like in Florida, where Florida is heavy football. Like we, you know, just breed out these amazing football athletes and football stars. Mm-hmm. I know where you're from. There's this, there's something about the ba- the basketball. You guys mm-hmm. have had like 50 plus, you know, NBA guys just like in the past 10 years. From, mm-hmm. I, I mean, what what exactly what part of Maryland is it? It's called PG County. Peachy County. So they actually just did a film on Showtime last last Friday. It's called it was called In the Water. Did it come so out? They, yeah, it came out last Friday on Showtime. I saw a trailer for it. I'm I'm excited to watch that one. It looks amazing. Yeah, so I mean they call it's called In the Water. So basically they're saying like it's something in the water in this area. Um because we breed so many basketball players. And um yeah, so it's PG County. Um it's just an area where man, it's just like if it just seems like we breed some of the, the best athletes in the world. You know, you're talking about Kevin Durant, you're talking about Michael Beasley, you're talking about Jeff Green, you're talking about Nolan Smith. I mean, the list the list goes on and on and on. Like you said, since 2000, I think it's been 30 NBA players since 2000. Um, we got we got a lot of McDonald's All Americans. We just, I mean, just but that's why they say it's in the water. Um, so I come from that come from that that background, come from that cloth. Where you know, I mean, you walk in, you walk into any gym out here, you might see, you're gonna see a few pros, you know, you're gonna see a few guys that was in NBA current or, or past. So I mean, you got constantly, you constantly got got guys you can look up to. Constantly got guys where you can get some gems from. You can sit down and talk to them. I mean, these guys, you know, they love the kids coming up. So I mean, these kids can go up to them and be like, look what I need to work on or how do I get here or, you know, they can reach out to college coaches like, look, this guy's really good. You need to check him out. So, I mean, it's like they said, it's just something in the water in this, in this county, man, that, that I come from. But, I mean, uh, the doctors dropped last Friday on Showtime. You guys can go watch it. But, yeah, this is the area. Why, why do you think it's so uh, so strong, the basketball culture there? Um, I – Nobody really knows. I mean, it, it's not one thing that you can that you can put it upon. I mean, it's just. I mean, the the, the competition is there for sure. I mean, that's for one. I mean, you can walk in, like I said, any gym, and there's no telling who's going to be in there. So that's going to make you better. That's going to make you stronger. That's going to make you tougher. I mean, we got trainers here that's like on the next level as far as you know. They got these kids doing these moves and these drills at such an early age that. It's like it's like walking and chewing gum by the time we get to high school, you know. So, you know, we, we just constantly, you know, push our kids to be better. We got a lot of knowledge of the game because there's so many people that's been in the NBA, been around the NBA. So we just it's like a it's like a we a step above a lot of places. Interesting, yeah. I mean, it's uh, especially because you say like, it's bef- like starting around the year 2000. Um, so it's interesting how you know. It almost seems like alien, you know, where it's just like, hey, we dropped off a basketball here, and all of a sudden started putting out, you know, just extreme talent, and then from there. No, 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 no. I just said 30, 30 players since two thousand, but it's been like that. Always been. Yeah, it's been like that. Like okay. Yeah, they just they just talking about the recent, but it, it's been like that. Like we 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 we've been breeding this these type of players years and years and years. You know, Lynn Bias and all them type of guys. Like, oh, really? They, yeah, that's oh, all. Wow. That's all right here. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow, that's a real, real breeding ground for hoopers. Then, shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going all the way back to Len. Wow, that's. Is this a one part series or is a or is it just a? It's like a multi part. It, it was it was a one part series, but it, it's so crazy because um, it could have been like the last dance. It could be a ten part doc. They're like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? Because it's like it's so much to cover. I mean. You know, when you give it to like a Showtime, they 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 gonna do what they want with it. But it's so much content that you can definitely do a a, a docu series for sure. 
No, I, I, I mean, there, there's so much stuff to always cover and portray. You know, I mean, I even mm-hmm. think like the Last Dance, they were they were cutting that just like a week or two before because they wanted to cram it out, and they just told the director, excuse me, like, hey, we're gonna put this out in April now. Well, I know you said June, but we're gonna rush it up ahead. So every week they had to make sure they had to finish edits before <laughs> that stuff was ready to be put out on TV. So I mean, <sighs> kudos to them for getting that done. But you know, like you mentioned how much stuff always gets in there, who's telling the story and what mm-hmm. side of the story are we You're going to tell it from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, uh, or the, some, some people were saying, you know, they're pissed that, you know, that ended up being more of a Michael Jordan documentary with this, with the last dance rather than, you know, about the team, this didn't happen this way. Like Mike said, and, mm-hmm. and it, it's tough now because the way Mike told all those stories, or like, you know, would create something in order to motivate him, which is like incredible. As, mm-hmm. as someone who I'm, I'm one of the most optimistic, positive people, and I just want to get the most out of life in every little single thing I do. But he was just like, you know, you could just look at it and just like, oh, this guy pissed him off or no one even said anything. I'm going to create something to do that. Right. And the flu game was the most interesting thing because now that story is like, a little sketch like oh wait, so, some dude came to the five dudes showed up at your door and five dudes showed up with pizza you guys use michael jordan's name to order this pizza how do these guys know it was michael jordan's room so you know mike might have been out till two in the morning i mean it's salt lake city we've been there it's, it sucks no 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 shot to salt lake city but there's not much to do socially i would say um Plus, we got a bad taste in our mouth from Salt Lake City. With, with yeah, for sure. God. <sighs> Worst place ever. Um, so, I don't know. I think Mike might have been out the night before. I, I'm a little skeptical now about that food poisoning. Yeah, you never know. But I was, telling my, I was telling my brother this other day, like, the marketing they did with Mike is amazing. Like, the, the shoes he was wearing in the game is called the flu games. Like, they still, you know, when the Jordans come out, they like, these are the flu games, you know? like Black and red 12s, yeah. Yeah, like everybody knows them because of because of the flu game. If they didn't, if if that didn't happen, but it, like you said, just the marketing while he was playing, the kids to this day, like they are still calling. They done, they never saw the game till this docu series. Probably they didn't even know what it was, but they knew they can look at the shoes and be like, "Oh, you got the flu game Jordans on." Like they know, you know, just the marketing behind it is just amazing. Yeah, I, I think the the. Like watching back and looking at a lot of those stat lines that you would see. Now I've got to go back and watch some of these games in full because, I mean, watching Mike got growing up, like that was my guy. That was the guy I watched. This is the guy I idolized, emulated who I wanted to be. Um, and, you know, watching those stat lines where it's just like, you know, people are getting pissed. Like, oh, he's making $35 million, The team's making $38 million. It's like he's putting up half the points. In a lot of those games, I mean, you even look back in the mid '90s. I mean, some of those games were only going to the '70s and '80s, and he's putting up 35 or 40 of those points. And it's like, yeah, I mean, dude's putting up half the points. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's it's a little justified for getting half the money. I mean, he's doing all that. I mean, but again, back to what we we're talking about before. It's crazy to see that how much the NBA offensively has evolved, especially with all those. You know, the hand check, for example, and the touch fouls um, that are called today. Um, mm-hmm. How has that changed? Has, has that changed much as, uh, in terms of post defense and the amount of calls called in the post? Or it's just, you know, there's just not that much activity going on down there. Well, in the NBA, no, it's no it's, they don't post up in the NBA at all. I mean, overseas, yes, they do. But like in the NBA, it's, you rarely get post ups. And we all know how no one gets calls if you're an American overseas. It's just you're expected to take hits. You're expected to get punched in the mouth, get bloody, fall on the floor before you get a call. I mean, they, even, even me, I, mean, I look like I could be, a, I could be a, a nationalized citizen in a lot of the places I played, but there's like, nah, we, we know where you're from. You're going to have to work a little harder to get a, get a foul call. Ugh, the worst. Um, but yeah, and then we talked about Butler right there, dude. That was probably the worst because that was, I think, accused. It was a one of our great ops just to take a title. And I mean, I remember being in the in the tournament 
Big East tournament, you know, we're number one seed. We get tough Georgetown going in and you fall. And I was like, oh, you know, hopefully, you know, you just tweak an ankle and you tore your quad, man. That was, that had to be, it was so brutal. It was, it, was, it wasn't just like a regular injury. It's, it's, a, it's it was a torn muscle. That's so tough, man. So tough to digest that, man. What was, uh, what was that like for you? What was that whole experience like? I mean, was, was it uh, tough in terms of like, um, not, not letting people down, you know, but it's like, cause you know, it's, it's, it's completely out of your control. It's something you, there's nothing you could do. What was well, yeah, man. Just tough in general. I mean, you got to think about that year. I was pretty much, I wasn't, my knee was hurting all year. Um, I mean, you couldn't probably tell by how I played, but you know, I had to take medicine and play constantly seeing Brad to get treatment on a daily basis. So when that happened, I kind of knew what it was. I didn't think it was going to happen, but I knew what it was when it happened. But, um, you know, it was my senior year. I'm, like you said, we're number one in the country. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting drafted all the above. I couldn't, I couldn't sit out. I couldn't, you know, so, um, pretty much playing at, at a, at a high risk level, which I knew because my knee had been hurting all year. So, um, to this day, I mean, I just went up to Syracuse and, you know, coach tell me to this day, man, if you didn't get hurt, you know, I have another championship. So, um, it's just tough the way things happen, but, um, I don't know. I mean, we made it through, but um, like I said, I, I really feel like if I didn't get hurt, we would definitely have a national championship that year. Man, Butler might have never been who they were if we would have squashed them right there too. I mean, that was Butler's yeah. first run that year, and it's just uh-huh. I remember that game so well. We just didn't play well, you know, in terms of like you know those little small things were happening. Andy would drop the ball or turn it over, like a pass would go between someone's legs, like from out of bounds. Like just weird shit that just everything rolled properly for them. But, I mean, I, I didn't know, I mean, everything was going that wrong. What was, um, had gone wrong before? I mean, was your, um, was your patella hurting or, you know, what, what was it that? Yeah, I mean, I just was having knee problems that year. I was just having problems with that knee. Um, and we were doing things to try to treat it, but, it wasn't really getting better. So I think I think eventually I would have had to have surgery either way. So, I mean, as I'm treating the knee and I'm playing and, you know, I'm just hoping that I can make it through my senior year because the whole point is to win, win a national championship to get drafted. So that was my that was my goal. Man, man, I didn't know it was, uh, it was all that right there. Um, and how's your quad now? I mean, it's just such a tough injury to, to have. Terrible I mean, the thing – the thing about surgery is once you had surgery, you'll always know you had surgery. You know, you, you got to constantly, you know, do the thing, stretching, strengthen, and all that stuff. So, I mean, as long as I take care of it, I'm fine. I mean, certain days are better than others. But like I said, I, I went from an injury where they said I might not play again to now I'm a nine-year pro. So, um, just got to continue to maintain and do the things I need to, to keep it strong, keep it flexible. Hey, uh, dude, I love this talk. I think uh, you became even more wiser than I thought you were <laughs> from the talks we had. I think we've talked until like uh, I've seen you at the TVT or different tournaments, but uh, I really wanted to thank you for coming on the show, man. I, uh, and I'm hoping uh, I can help and work with you in any way, uh, you know, off air um, with your clothing sure. line and brand. I think uh, there's definitely some tips and tricks I can throw your way. So um, please let people know, you know, listen to the show if they're watching live on YouTube right now, if they're, you know, going back and watching the show right now, where they can find your clothes, where they can buy your clothes, where they can connect with you on social media. And I'll make sure I have links to that in the podcast description as well so people can uh, go find and uh, click on your website. Uh, the brand for the page is AL Studio 21 and the website as well is alstudio21.com. And that's where we, all the merch is. Okay, sweet, sweet. Um, yeah, man. Thank you so much for joining on the show, and thank you, everybody, for uh, for tuning in. Go check out AO Stuff. Um, he's also on social media and Instagram. Um, you can find a lot of his uh, – all those connections to the websites there as well. Um, is the TBT going to go on this year? Are you playing in that? or They still they, – they, they're promoting it like it's going to happen. We still don't – I mean, nobody knows, but, I mean, they got the go-ahead right now, so they're getting the teams together now. So they're, they're saying they're going to have it. Are you in line to play? I will play if, if I'm available. Like, you know, I've been playing in the summers a lot. That's why I wasn't. I've only played in the TBT twice now. So, because I'm usually gone in the summer playing. But 
and we'll see. We'll see once this quarantine is over. We'll see what's next. Yeah, people forget the Puerto Rico league goes on in the summertime too. So um, yeah. it's a summer league. Um, but no, man, that's that's awesome. I hope that that league goes on and people can catch you during that because I know they have a whole Syracuse um, regional for that, and I know that's great business for you as well. So, um, dude, man, best of luck to you. And yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you're watching this live, if you're coming back watching this again, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Bus Driver Experience. Go ahead, subscribe and like the show. People, more people can find that. Uh, if you're a Syracuse basketball fan and you like this show, we got plenty of Syracuse basketball episodes you can scroll back to and check out. And there'll be plenty more shows in the future, guys. Thank you so much for making it to 30 episodes with me with the Bus Driver Experience. And um, yeah, that's it. Plenty more shows to come. We got Mikeadelics, Psychedelics coming on next week. More cool, interesting people we're talking with. Everybody else, stay safe out there. Stay happy, stay healthy. And remember, the next step is just a phone call, conversation, but you got to take the step. You got to get out there and do it. So, the bus is out. Clips is the most uh, for those who.